Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live studios in Eggleston Square. And tonight, being simulcast on our sister station, 102.9 FM radio. Tonight, very special program. We, we continue our election 2023 coverage. Uh, the preliminary election is right around the corner. And tonight, uh, two more of the candidates running in the District 5 City Council race. That includes Hyde Park, Roslindale, and a good portion of Mattapan. Uh, tonight, we'll have Jose Ruiz, who's a, uh, a veteran of the Boston Police Department, making his uh, first run for public office. And then on the second half, uh, the incumbent joins us, uh, Ricardo Arroyo, and we'll talk with him as well. All that and more tonight on Talk of the Neighborhoods. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host. Tonight, we continue our election 2023 coverage as a, in the lead up to uh, the September 12th preliminary election. Tonight, our focus on the District 5 City Council race. Uh, that has four candidates running, including two of my guests tonight. And the top two finishers in the September 12th prelim would go on to the final. Uh, joining me tonight in this first segment, uh, he's a uh, former Boston Police Department official, uh, also has worked uh, in public service for the city of Boston for many years, and uh, making his first run for public office uh, for the District 5 seat, uh, Jose Ruiz joins us. Thank nice you. to have you here, Jose. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming in. Well, um, you've served the city in many different capacities over the years, and uh, uh, what makes you decide now you want to be an elected official, serve in that capacity? What, what prompted you to get into this race? Well, there's two reasons. I've always had two professional goals. One was to try policing, best decision I ever made, love policing, the amount of people I was able to help, and especially in the city that I grew up and love mission accomplished. But the other one was politics. My mom was into politics. I grew up uh, with my uh, three pictures in our living room. My mom uh, was 
greatly involved in Puerto Rico, and her, her, uh, her three political heroes were on our wall, John Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and uh, Juan Luis Marin. So uh, I, I had to work the polls with her. <laughs> I had to knock on doors and everything else. But then I became close to uh, Ray Flynn. And I remember how difficult it was for him to be mayor and being called all the time and him raising all his children. Yeah. And um, I told my wife. 24-7. Yeah. yeah. And I told my wife that I was interested in politics. But when I decided to delve into it, that I wanted to make sure I was older, I wanted to make sure my kids were adults, and that way I could focus on what I really mm -hmm. loved, the city of Boston. And you're retired now from the Boston Police Department, is that correct? That's correct, 29 yeah. years with the Boston Police Department, um, and then I had another 12 years with um, the Boston Parks Department and Youth and Family Services. No one's lived a better life than me, my friend. <laughs> well, um, well, this, uh, this district is, uh, you know, encompasses a lot. Now, Hyde Park, and a lot of changes there. Roslindale, Mattapan. Um, uh, how are you different than the other candidates that are in this race? Help our viewers understand what makes uh, Jose Ruiz different. I, I believe my body of work, I believe my resume, the other ones don't compare to. I've been successful doing a lot of things. You're talking to a trendsetter, you're talking to someone who hasn't been afraid and I've done things. For instance, um, as I told you, I grew up with the most famous Afro-Latina in the city of Boston. My mom is one of the founders of Villa Victoria. Oh. And I got to see how hard she worked to bring affordable housing to the Latino community. Right. I grew up and I became their president of their board. I took them out of uh, near bankruptcy and I brought them into financial prosperity. And I was the youngest president ever at that time at the age of 24. Wow. I became the youngest executive director in youth and family services at the age of 24. And that wasn't by luck. It was by all the people that I was surrounded mm -hmm. by. In the South End, I, I had mentors that weren't Latino. Mm -hmm. I had a whole bunch that just cared about me and made sure that I was reading, writing, going to school, and community engaged. So I believe my body of work is there. I joined the police department, and I never forgot who I was, and that was I was a community activist before I was anything. Um, even when I was a police officer, I did things. I, I still ran my little league. I'm the founder of the South End uh, Baseball League. I was run, still president at the time. And, I still was able to be a really, really good family man. Please ask my children, yeah. ask my wife. Yeah. The best compliment I ever got from, was from my oldest daughter when she said, you spend too much time with us. <laughs> and so, and I tell people that, you know, I had a lot of inspiration uh, around me. Family was big, grew up with a strong religious foundation. Thank you, St. Stephen's Church in the South End um, and everybody else there. So. But I've been uh, politically engaged for a long time too. I know what's going on. I talk to a lot of folks. I understand the importance of, you know, staying involved, and that's what I plan to do. Well, you're you're running against an incumbent and two other candidates as well. Uh, uh, one of whom just uh, got the endorsement of uh, Mayor Wu. Uh, how's the campaign going, and how are you dealing with this? Uh, and, uh, are you prepared? Uh, have you? Uh, I mean, you know what you're up against when you're running against an incumbent. Sure. It's uh, oftentimes difficult. Uh, yeah. How has your campaign been going? You're talking to a person that fears nothing. I have no phobias. Mm. You know, I, I tell people all the time, just fear God and that's it. Yeah. You know, I've never been afraid of challenges. Um, I tell people I want 
that one more challenge before I call it, you know, quits for any type of uh, profession going to retirement. We, I've got a great, great circle of people in my campaign, and we believe we have a really good shot. Um, I've door knocked so many doors, I can't tell you. I've been stopped while I've been jogging and riding my bicycle and people are saying, I know you, you're doing a great job, keep it going. I've been able to speak to people um, who thought they were going to vote for my competitors and after speaking to me, they said, no, bring us a lawn mm -hmm. sign. You know, my signs are all over the place, which is a great show that people believe in what I'm saying and have done um, their research on me. So I really feel confident. Uh, we've done the work. I think all four candidates have worked hard. You know, no one can say they were outworked the other. We're all working hard. Mm -hmm. But I believe that I'm the best person for District 5. Well, your, your uh, counselors had uh, a few issues. Uh, some would call them foibles. Uh, <coughs> depends upon how you, know, how you phrase it or what you're looking at. Has, has that come up in the campaign? And Absolutely. How, how much of an issue will that be, do you think, for voters? I, I, listen, as you get <coughs> closer to the Excuse election, me. everything becomes or gets under a microscope. And I understand that there are certain city councilors that are under that microscope and under the uh, microscope and under that scrutiny, and rightfully so. They've earned it. They've mm -hmm. earned it. Uh, as a police officer, as an executive director, as a representative of an organization, I understand that I walk with those titles 24-7. I do. So I try to be the man of peace that I am. I try to be an example. I tell people all the time, I learned many, many years ago to commit at least one act of kindness every day, whether it's picking up some trash or just saying hello mm -hmm. to people. I've never lost those things. Those have been embedded in my personality. Well, anybody that's been watching some of the more recent uh, uh, city council uh, meetings would say uh, maybe they need a peace officer there. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's become uh, a little toxic, uh, I think that's fair to say. Uh, a lot of uh, back and forth, some, uh, some charges and counter charges, hard feelings, a lot of it uh, that came out of... Uh, uh, the whole redistricting process. Uh, uh, can you uh, uh, help them if you're up there? What will, how, will you, how will you deal with that, that, that environment? Uh, so I want to look at your audience and say this, and I've coined a few terms here, so I want people to hear me loud and clear. I learned a long time ago that no one wins in a civil war, and you have a civil war there. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you need an adult in the room, sometimes you need a mediator, sometimes you need a moderator. Most times you need change. And I believe the city council needs some changes. And I hope that I'm accepted as one of those changes. It's not a me thing. Mm -hmm. I go in there and I'm hoping that, you What know, will you do if you're in there? How, will you, how will you deal with it? Well, first and foremost, I'm gonna take care of home. I'm gonna take care of my district. Basic city services is lacking. And I hear that a lot. From the potholes to addressing speedsters on side streets to people's worry about being able to keep their homes or wanting to stay in the neighborhoods, about right. developers taking over. You're gonna find out, I don't have a sympathetic ear, that I really become part of the discussion and I become a leader once I walk out the room. Makes sense to me, you're gonna find out that I'm the best liaison. Not afraid of anybody. I am not afraid to mm -hmm. put forth the fight, but I'm also not afraid to be the peacekeeper too. And I think we need that. Well, and that raises an interesting point. What, what do you see as the biggest need of, 
uh, District 5. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, almost all of Hyde Park, I think it does include all of Hyde Park, but most of Roslindale, a sizable chunk of Mattapan. Uh, of course, it wasn't clear until the redistricting battle exactly where those lines were, but uh, uh, what do you see in talking to uh, people on the street? You said you're knocking doors. What are they saying? What are well, I think they're all priority ones. I don't, I don't think there's any order in particular. It depends on what the person needs. Right. You know, and again, we talked about this, uh, basic city services, but let's talk about the schools too. We pay top dollar per student in the United States. When you go to the best restaurants for the best steak, if you pay top dollar, you want the top steak. That's what you want. You sure. want the best thing there. I believe in Mary Skipper. I think that you know she should be given the time, but I think that there should be people in the background to, uh, to make sure she's doing the right thing. You know, when it comes to housing, well, the state has threatened to uh, take over the schools. Yeah. Well, listen, we we all know that, yeah. and um, so I'd rather her walk and work in confidence than to walk around in fear. Mm -hmm. And I think the best way to do that as a city councilor is to make sure that we're, you know, we remain her checks and balances. Well, you know, housing again, I've spoken to so many seniors who want to stay in their homes, for instance, and I remind people that 75% of real estate taxes are paid by residents in the city of Boston. Right. Colleges, universities, hospitals pay 25%. I don't have the answer, but if we can, we're able to convince them or come to an agreement to raise their percentage up, who knows, we might be able to help those seniors stay there. What about uh, the mayor's proposal for uh, rent stabilization? Some would call it rent control. Uh, is that something you could get behind? Well, let's call it controlling rents. People get that confused because our, the court struck that down. So when they said rent control, it, it throws a lot of people in a tizzy. We all know with the housing you have to have, if you're good at business, you know you have to have more supply than demand. We're going to have to figure that out. And then we're going to have to figure out where's the best location for this housing. I tell people when developers come to me and say they have an idea to put housing there, I want to hear from them if they know the history mm -hmm. of the neighborhood. And then I want to hear from them what are the intentions to keep the integrity of that history in, uh, what you call, mm -hmm. uh, in, in our neighborhood. Well, some of the real estate uh, uh, organizations are saying, though, if and again, it would have to be approved by uh, the state legislature and signed by the governor which isn't a certain thing at all, but uh, that uh, Mayor Wu risks uh, killing the uh, goose that laid the golden egg. You know, the economy, the uh, local economy has been uh, fairly strong here despite the pandemic and everything else. And uh, is there, do you fear that? I mean, do you think that uh, if we go down that road, we could be? You, you should fear it if you don't plan properly. Yeah. You have to. Listen, our main roads are presentation areas for housing. That's where you put the bulk of your housing. Histories of the neighborhoods are built on the side streets. That's how I was raised. That's how I was raised. There's places they have to be built up. There's other places they have to be built across. We have to figure that. There's some places where building outward is not the right way. Right. And you know, I would love to share you know, my vision on that, but I don't have a full vision on that. I just have a partial vision on it. Mm -hmm. I do know that, again, people have to be satisfied, and you're going to go into bad times if you don't plan, um, you know, properly. And I want to remind people, partnerships are not a theory. They're in reality. So if people aren't getting along, partnerships are not going to well, be realized. You have to uh, work together, and, you know, a lot of these... Uh 
not everybody wants more development in their neighborhood either, so it's always a, a balancing act. Uh, we've got just a few minutes left, and I, I got to ask you about uh, 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 now, Mayor Wu has uh, injected herself into this race. She endorsed uh, one of your your opponents. Were you, were you surprised by that? Absolutely not. And, and uh, will that uh, has that changed the dynamic of the race? Uh, has it changed how you approach this? No, absolutely not. Listen, she has the right to endorse whoever she wants. Yeah. I just don't believe she endorsed the correct person. It's all, uh, all due respect to Pepin and uh, to Wool. Again, if people do their due diligence, and I want every voter to be an educated voter. Don't be swayed by one. Be swayed by the facts and the data. If you do your research, Jose Ruiz is the correct choice. Well, and uh, so, What's the key to finishing in the top two? As, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the preliminary is just right around the corner. Of course, it's Tuesday, and the top two will go on to the final. How does Jose Ruiz finish in the top two? I think that we've had the right plan, and the plan was to get more people to care. In the last election, you had about 30% voter turnout. Mm -hmm. We're the only election in that district. Right? And we know it's going to be low. We think could be we, much lower than that, even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't disagree with you. Yeah. But I think we've have voiced the right concern to folks. I think we're getting people to yeah. care again. Uh -huh. That's what people don't realize that the worst thing you can do to another person is to teach them not to care. And I think we have too many Bostonians, too many voters who don't care right now. I think my campaign has had enough conversation, enough positive conversation to get people to care or enough people to put me in the top two. No one likes to come in second. That, that's, you know, if anyone says that to you, they should say right. that with a wry smile. You know, we're all hoping to come in first, but I want to come in first and second. Is the incumbent uh, vulnerable? Is he wounded? Is he, uh, you know, uh, could he be pushed out of this? Oh, uh, you, you, how does it go? You know, you're, you're asking the obvious. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're not I'm reading, playing a little devil's advocate, uh, yeah, no doubt about yeah, it. We, we all know the answer to that. He's, he's had, you know, some issues. And if you don't know about it, then you're not keeping up with things, you know what I mean? But as that day draws near, our, our media in Boston and the state is probably going to continue after them. That's the nature of the job. Right. People want the best person there, and a lot of people don't think he's the best person now. Right. So he's got a lot of work ahead of him. Have you gotten some endorsements? Uh, oh, yes, I, I have. Yeah. I have. And, uh, I mean, how important do you think those are? in terms of uh, people understanding, identifying, deciding who they vote for. Yeah. Do you know the best endorsements I've gotten? The Neighborhood Heroes. Yeah. And we don't talk about them. They're the people who are involved in Neighborhood Associates, civic, uh, civic Associations. I've been a part of three um, candidates forum, and, and I love one where literally about 75% of the people I did in those state afterwards kept me an hour and a half there, and the other three people left. I think the neighborhood heroes, they're endorsing me. And thank you to Barbara Critchlow's and the rest of them who have come up to me and said, you know what, you're the right person, I'm going to push for you. And every week they've called me and said, I've got you another one, and I need another law sign. And I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of your group, and you better make it to this damn meeting that's coming up here because I need you. <laughs> and so, Don't you miss you know, it, like right? This. So I think the, the resident endorsements that I'm getting from the community leaders have been the most important. Well, uh, like uh, all campaigns, at the end of the day, uh, it's all about uh, turnout, turnout, turnout. And 
uh, you know, those candidates that are able to identify their voters and get them to the polls most times are uh, successful. So, yeah. um, you know, we've got just a minute or two left here, and, and uh, you know, I want to give you a chance, uh, uh, you know, to talk a little bit, you know, lastly about uh, what inspired you, what, what it is that's, uh, you talked earlier about your mother and, and that type of thing. I mean, this district has, uh, you know, it's uh, very diverse. Uh, uh, there's, you know, all, all the candidates are candidates of color. And so, uh, uh, you know, race shouldn't be an issue as it is in some areas. Uh, um, what is it that, that really drives you? What is it that really makes Jose Ruiz uh, different? Mm. I, I have to say again. What don't we know about you that, that you could tell the voters that uh, will help them to kind of understand your motivation? Well, I, I'm going to say that I say the right words. I, I spend the right time. I learn people's personalities and, and, um, and characters, and I'm able to unify people. I kind of smile because, again, we've had a couple of forums where a couple of candidates actually have used my words you know, from previous speeches and everything else, and I wish they would give me a little credit, so, <laughs> which is fine, but I'm going to say this, that when I was considering running, um, a whole bunch of people came to me and wanted me to run citywide, and I had a whole bunch of people come to my door, knocked on my door and said, you better take care of home first, just like your mom and your mentors told you, this is your mm -hmm. home, you better run local. And I have to say, residents came for me, and they weren't from Hyde Park only. They were from Mattapan and Roslindale. Mm -hmm. They said, we need you. And I said to them, you know what? I need you too. Mm -hmm. I'm running District 5. Well, we want to wish you the best of luck. Appreciate Again, uh, Jose Ruiz uh, is one of four candidates running in the District 5 City Council race. The preliminary election is next Tuesday, September 12th. Incidentally, we'll be providing live coverage and all the results from the preliminary election on uh, Tuesday night uh, from 8.30 to 10. We hope you'll join us then. I want to wish you the best of luck, uh, Thank Jose. Thanks Thank for you. coming in and joining us. Uh, and when we come back, we'll talk with the incumbent in this race. Uh, Councilor Ricardo Arroyo joins us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Get out and vote. I know by the time she takes her first breath, nine billion more tons of carbon pollution will be in the air. When she takes her first steps, Wildfires will have burned millions more acres she could have explored. By the time a child born today goes to college, it may be too late to leave them the world we promised. Our window to act on climate change is like watching them grow up. We blink and we miss it. My character Shazam knows all about growing up in a family full of teenage superheroes. They're bold. Where's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. Adventurous. Shazam! There's never a dull moment. And no matter what happens, they'll always have your back. All they need is a place to grow and be themselves. And the best part is, you don't have to be a superhero to adopt a teen. Learn more about adopting a teen from foster care. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Today, we face an unprecedented crisis. Tens of millions of refugees have been forced from their homes. But you can make a difference. Turn disruption and despair to hope and opportunity. Even small amounts make a big difference. 
provide shelter, support, or jobs in your community. The more we understand, the greater sense of belonging we create. Act now. Visit supportcrisisrelief.org. so sad. You've got a roof over your head. You gotta stop with that depression stuff. That's a white people thing. You all right? It just feels like it's coming from everywhere. Do you want to talk about it? You can talk to me if you're feeling sad. Whenever you need to talk, I'm here, okay? We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection Want to get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. Hey, Bobo. Do trees tell each other stories? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey. Why don't we go find out? Listen. Do clouds take naps? I couldn't tell you. Dad, do stars visit their friends? Look! Every day, every day, millions of people are connecting. And even though we're overcoming obstacles, watching each other's backs, and banding together, we should still make an effort. We should still make an effort to get to know each other on a deeper level. Father, cosplayer, mentor, actor. It's time we take a step forward. It's time we take a step forward. Come together and discover how accepting our differences can, can make, make us stronger. Is that time yet? It's time. Donating pet food is one of the many ways you can help families in your community. Pets and people belong together. Learn more at petsandpeopletogether.org. All right, we're back with Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host. Tonight, we continue our election 2023 coverage. Of course, uh, this coming Tuesday, September 12th, is the preliminary election here in the city of Boston. Uh, there's no citywide races, but there's four very interesting district races, including the race that we're covering tonight. Uh, that is, of course, the race for District 5 City Council. Uh, that includes uh, Rosendale, Hyde Park, and parts of Mattapan. And I'm very pleased to have joining me the uh, incumbent in that race. Uh, from Hyde Park, uh, Ricardo Arroyo joins us. Nice really time. happy to be here with you. Nice to see Thank you. you for having me. Thanks so much for coming back. Well, uh, <laughs> it's been an uh, interesting uh, election season, it, to it say been. the least. Like, uh, I'm not uh, sure I've seen this many super PACs in a, in a district uh, race in my life. I, I was going to say, uh, do you feel like uh, it was all, and you went through a very tough race in the DA's mm -hmm. uh, race, and we talked about that when you were here before, but. Uh, you know, a lot of other things, uh, uh, you know, coming, do you feel like you have a, a target on your back a little bit or, or is that too strong? <laughs> no, no, I think that's fair, actually. Uh, you know, 
it's I've not stopped moving since the last race, right? So like you go from one race into the next race. Um, I've been able to get a lot of work done on the council. One of the things I'm really proud of is out of the 13 council members, my office is either the original author or co-sponsor of over 50% of all home rule petitions and ordinances that the council has pushed. Um, and so we've tried to stay pace with really prolific work output. Um, I think from the standpoint of like all these packs coming in and trying to muddy up the water, I do think ultimately voters are gonna reject that. I don't, I honestly don't believe that there's anything new they can say mm -hmm. at what, this what, stage. What, what's that about? Why do you feel like that? Uh... I think people sense an opportunity to try to, the city's made remarkable progress in the last, uh, I mean, honestly, since whenever you want to put the, the, the meter at, whether you're looking back to Mel King and what started with the Rainbow Coalition, if you want to go even further back than that, we've moved incredibly in terms of what the diversity of the council looks like, what the um, diverse, like, so there, we had a period where majority opinion and city elected offices lend, leaned more moderate conservative, right? And yeah. now you're in a position where almost all of our votes are about nine to four, and that's a pretty solid for, you know, some people want to call moderate. I think they're more conservative. And then there's sort of a set of sort of moderate to progressive counselors that make up that nine. And I think right now you see folks trying to take uh, a moment to try and sort of push candidates that are a little bit more conservative uh, or mm -hmm. a lot more conservative in some cases uh, and try to sort of claw back what they feel like they've lost. And I think ultimately the city of Boston that those progressive counselors, I include myself amongst them, have brought us things like the Office of Police Accountability and Transparency, have restricted tear gas, have uh, pushed this this term, it should have been last week, but it'll probably be in the next two weeks. Uh, we're gonna pass the first ever municipal for the city of Boston tree protection ordinance. All of these different things that really advance people's lives and give them a better quality of care and, and a better uh, community overall. You see that even though we see reports about crime, Crime statistics mm -hmm. are going down every year. There's there's just a healthier city that we're trying to build. And I think at a certain level, it's not to say that people who are conservative are trying to build a worse city. They're just trying to build a different city. Mm -hmm. uh, and so- well, do, you, do you think uh, that stuff kind of gets lost in some of the controversies, real or imagined? I do, because don't, I, don't, think part of, here, I think but... part of it is there's a large focus on personalities. There's uh -huh. this storyline that the council doesn't get along because of personalities, that I just don't like this person, mm -hmm. or this person just doesn't like me. The reality is it's political. I have a, nobody stands around and says, you know, why isn't Ayanna Presley having lunch with Marjorie Taylor Greene? Nobody makes those kinds of determinations. Why aren't Donald Trump and, and you know, Joe Biden getting along? There's just a reality that it's not so much about some personality where you can magically make somebody change their politics. It's more a question of, mm -hmm. are you effectively pushing policy is that policy something I agree with? If it's something I don't agree with, then frankly, I, the, what's happening on the council is people are resorting to whatever way they can try mm -hmm. to stop those things from happening. Or alternatively, if you support them, resorting to what you can to get them passed. But the truth of it is the, this whole idea of like a dysfunctional city council, I always ask people, what's your favorite city council term? Mm -hmm. When you're saying substantive work, which one are you, which one are you citing? because this council's pushed a number of home rule petitions and ordinances mm -hmm. that have moved things, including rent stabilization, 11 to two. And so this council has done a really good job of being effective, but if you look at the votes, they're usually falling on a nine four scale or they're falling on racial lines between seven to five. Uh -huh. what, is that, what does that say? And so what it, what, really says, it say? what it really says is that where the city is still dealing with race, where the city is still trying mm -hmm. to dis, sort of disentangle these systemic problems that we've had over time, mm -hmm there's an older status quo guard 
that says, hey, look, that's too fast, or we don't agree with that, or we don't think that's really the source of these issues. And then there's another status, like another set of folks, largely people of color, who are saying, hey, look, we finally have opportunities to make contracting in the city more fair. We finally have opportunities to make affordable housing available in different ways. We finally have an opportunity to sort of reverse what these decades and decades of moderate to conservative councils have sort of allowed to happen or have pushed themselves. And I think that gets lost in the discourse because it's much easier and much more interesting to just say, this person said this to this person, and that looks confrontational or that looks like something we'd rather write about. But, but has it gotten, you know, you can have differences. People, mm -hmm. and there's plenty of people that, you know, uh, different opinions. But has it kind of gotten... Uh, a little over the top, some of that stuff. There's been you know, I think one of the things that's been a little over the top is most recently the city council president was traced to a leak that should have never happened, um, and that those are the kinds of things that I think are a little bit beyond the pale when when a document that's protected by state law, it's an HR document, it's never supposed to go out. It's a state ethics violation to share that. All of a sudden, gets shared with a reporter, and then the photo itself is geotagged to their home. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a little different. I'm not gonna say that that's normal yeah. or should be normal. Um, but I certainly think for the most part, you know, Councillor Baker and myself share differences. You don't see us going after each other in that way. Mm -hmm. And we have pretty sharp ideological differences. And so I think that each person has a different relationship with every single person or, or individual on that council. But I still think at the end of the day, every councillor, including the council president, tries to do what they believe is, is sort of their mm -hmm. Uh, job in the sense of I have residents and constituents who have elected me to do mm -hmm. something. Either I'm going to move those things forward or I'm not. And I think ultimately decisions do get made not based on whether I like you or not, but whether or not I agree right. with what the policy is. But how do we kind of get past this? Uh, because, uh, you know, I think people have, have rightly or wrongly uh, seen, you know, that the, mm -hmm. uh, the council has become dysfunctional a little out of control at times. And I would, I would what's, dispute uh, what's the What's the key to uh, uh, kind of, you know, patching things up or making it work better? Or uh, what's missing? What's the piece that's missing? I think some of these things are heightened, right? So, for instance, this leak wasn't an accident. This leak was an attempt to essentially smear three counselors who are in elections. And so I think part of the issue... And, th and that, tell me again, that... There, there was a, a complaint that was filed back in April to uh, Council President Flynn uh, that regarded a city council employee that detailed an event uh, that was in the public, was had Domain. press in the room, yeah, yeah. it was about three minutes long, involved a conversation with myself and Councillor Flynn. That complaint was filed in April. It was filed to Councillor Flynn. Councillor Flynn never alerted any of the councillors who were mm -hmm. in this complaint. And then in August, a week before he's endorsing my opponent, he's leaking this document mm -hmm. to a reporter. And so, or at least the geotag of this document mm -hmm. that's not supposed to leave the council or his, his purview is his home. And so, whether he did it or not. So when that's happening, you're dealing with a situation where a lot of that disconnection that people are seeing is actually manufactured for the purpose of trying to mm -hmm. control out election outcomes. And so there's a reality here where part of what's gonna settle this out is just these elections. I think everybody's yeah. sort of ready to see 
people get reelected and sort of as a statement right. say, hey, stop, stop doing right. all this extra you're, stuff. You're still going to have to. You're still going to have to work with these folks, this, right? Yeah. So you stop trying to meddle yeah. in these ways, some yeah. of these ways which are more unsavory, like trying to release statements about mm -hmm. colleagues or do all of these different things, and instead just do your job. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a level there where if you Google me, I welcome anybody to do it, you're not going to see me speaking ill of any of my colleagues. I've never done that. I do believe there's a way to disagree without being disagreeable. I grew up in a system where I understand that today we might not agree on a policy, but tomorrow you might be my best buddy on that. Right? right? And so there's, yeah, exactly. Gotta, there's, you can't burn these bridges. Learn how to count those yes. votes, right? That's the thing. Yeah. You got to learn how to count to seven. <laughs> and in some cases, you got to learn how to count to nine. And so we've done that. I've been the chair of government ops. We've gotten policies mm -hmm. done, for instance, with uh, rent stabilization. That was 11 to mm -hmm. two. That was interesting because you had, I had counselors who are on the right who said, hey, if this mm -hmm. language changes at all, I'm out. And then I had counselors on the left mm -hmm. who said, if this, if this doesn't change, I'm out. And then I was able to help broker a situation where that ended up passing 11 to two. And so there's been these times and these moments where people are being civil and are working through their things. I think people are reacting a lot, as they should, to what they're visually seeing. And they think that that, uh, frankly, is, is tiring. But I think there's a framing of the council right. that is incorrect but sometimes in terms perception of becomes reality. Yeah, it can be. It can be. And so even, and I'm not saying this to uh, uh, be disagreeable, but, uh, you know, you, you run into a few uh, little uh, bumps in the road here. Uh, Certainly. Fair to say. Uh, that's fair, but yeah. I wouldn't say that they have to do with my council colleagues. Uh -huh. Right? I think that that's, that, to be fair, I, I think the if you're making reference to the to my brother's case, right. yeah. uh, that was a case where my brother, prior to me being elected, I'm a litigation attorney, right. came to me and said, hey, I have a, a case pending. Can you help me? Can you help me out? Yeah. You know, I was taught that service and family are the most important things in, in the world. I so say. you don't have any regrets about helping your brother? I uh, would help my brother yeah. every single time. Yeah. I mean, I just want to be honest about that. Yeah. My brother yeah. came to me in a moment of need, said, can you help me? What I would have changed was when I was elected, uh, my brother and the city were co-defendants. So I didn't see any conflict of interest when we have the same stated right. outcome yep. that we're seeking. And the city's corporation council didn't flag any problems. And then we had, obviously, I, I've been through like three mayors now. We had another mayor, new corporation council, also didn't flag any problems. Yeah. Then we had a third mayor, new corporation council, also didn't flag any problems. So I assumed, because we were on the same side, because nobody had said right. at any stage, hey, there might be an issue here with state ethics. Yeah. When I ran for DA, somebody filed a state ethics complaint. And so I received a phone call. This was three years after I was on this case already. Right. Uh, I received a phone call, and I was never the lead attorney. I received a phone call from the State Ethics Commission saying, hey, we, we received a complaint. There might be an issue. This was in August. And so I said, hey, I'm going to move forward off getting off this case. Don't worry about it. The process to get off the case because of COVID, we've had backed up courthouses. So even though my application to get off this case went in in 2022, a judge didn't okay it until November, uh, no, February of 2023. And then that was at least four months before the State Ethics Commission came back and said, hey, this is a problem. Right. The other reason why I didn't know it was a problem was because the actual rule that they cited has what they call an immediate family exception. Says that if it's a, fa a father, a mother, right. a sibling, you can represent them. In this case, it only turn turns out, true story, that only applies for uh, employees of city government 
and state reps and state senators because they wrote the law. <laughs> it doesn't apply to city councilors. I mean, it, really, it's just city councilors right. and mayors it doesn't yeah, apply yeah, to. Right. But it doesn't say that. And so at the time, you know, if I could do anything different, what I would have done differently was I would have just called the State Ethics Commission right. and said, hey, I'm involved in this case. Is that okay? Yeah. But in terms of my brother coming to me and asking me to do this, I didn't see a problem with it. I've served, yeah. I served my whole first term on this case. I was not the lead attorney on it. For folks who are wondering, well, what were you doing? Basically, the case is confidential. And what that means is my brother wouldn't have been able to discuss this case with me. You might ask, why is that important? My brother was receiving legal services and he wanted to just make sure that the legal services were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Right. And so he was saying, you know, if, if they're not filing motions, if they're not doing things, you'd catch it, you'd let me know. But in the scheme of things, so much ado about nothing? Or is that, I mean, uh, I don't, I certainly, you know, I'm not you, trying to excuse ended, it. I'm not trying to excuse it. I'm not trying to take fine, it. Right? Yeah, first time offense, there yeah. won't be another ethics offense by me. Yeah. Uh, first time offense, I think, you know, I didn't receive any money on this. My brother didn't receive any money on this. We never stood to receive any money on this. There was never any aspect right. of this case right. that was within my control. Um, this is certainly something where I think it's fair game for people to weigh it. I, I never, mm -hmm. you know, I serve them. You're my bosses. So, I've never uh, downplayed their ability to take those things into account, but I would certainly say that there's no evidence at all whatsoever, you could look at my record, that it impeded yeah. my ability to do my job. But some people would say, or maybe some people, I, I don't know, but uh, uh, you, you've got, you ended up getting three opponents. I did end up getting three opponents, running, I sure running, did. Running sure against did. you. And the suggestion sure is that uh, as a result of this, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, uh, that uh, Ricardo Arroyo is, is somehow is vulnerable. vulnerable yes. in this I'm race. I, I hear the huh? talk. Huh? I hear the talk. Yeah. I, I have, I have uh, are working you, are you news vulnerable? subscriptions. Are, are, you, are you worried a little bit? Uh, I think my thing is this. I've always really deeply believed, I'm really at peace, because I really deeply believe that I serve at the pleasure of my district. And mm -hmm. my thing has always been, please understand me. Please mm -hmm. give me a chance to be understood. Mm -hmm. But if when I finish saying what I have to say, you say, not for me, then I, I don't have any issues okay with, that. with that. I'm okay with yeah. that. What I, what I have issues with is that I've had opponents and I've had what I think press try to turn these things into things that they're actually not in some circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that's really difficult for me because if I'm not going to represent this district, I want it to be on my own merits mm -hmm. and not on the basis of someone getting information incorrectly in or in a way that's not right. actually factual. Um, but from the standpoint of whether or not I feel vulnerable, well, one of the things that I did is we've, we've knocked on about 12,000 doors as of today. Mm -hmm. I personally have knocked on about 3,000 of them. You get about a 20 to 25% contact rate. So if you're watching this and I missed you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but basically what has happened in that moment is I get to have conversations with residents and I get to just give them an opportunity to have sort of what you're having with me right now, which is just a blunt conversation right. about, hey, I might have read this, what I might happened? have heard this, yeah. tell me about this. Yeah. And uh, I've talked to maybe 600 people. I can tell you right now that the number, I can count it on one hand of people who've had questions about these specific things, because if you sit there and you go, well, how's that possible? Well, let me tell you how. Every individual you run into has things that they're saying are the most important things to them. Right. Generally speaking, when I'm knocking on doors, it's speeding, it's their parks, it's schools, uh, you know, the environment comes up a lot. How can it not? We've, we've mm -hmm. seen record heats, right. right? All of these things are generally what people are asking me or about or talking to me about or trying to base their vote on it. I think that some people, their thing may be, I read this thing in the paper about you and I don't know how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. But for the vast majority of people, they're making decisions based it. on, are you delivering me services? Right. Are you leading on policy? Right. What are you doing to make my life better? Mm -hmm. 
And I think I have a really good argument for the things that I'm doing to make their lives better. That's what I want to be judged on. But if somebody says to themselves, hey, I don't care about any of that stuff. I think these other people can do as good a job as that. I'm gonna make a decision mm -hmm. on this. I'm at peace with their ability to do that. That's what a democracy is. So if you're asking me, do I feel particularly vulnerable? I would say that my conversations with voters, I have a pretty good record, I have a track record of doing mm -hmm. work. I'm not shy when it comes yeah. to these issues. I haven't run or duck or hid from anybody. Uh, I think a lot of these things have actually been overridden about in a way that is very different than how others have sort of gone right. through this process. Overblown. Yeah, I, I, your words, not mine. Uh, but what I would say is the the reality is I'm excited to have voters say their piece. I think mm -hmm. I think that's ultimately the most important part of it. Uh, and I would say that there's certainly a sense from others mm -hmm. that I'm vulnerable, and we'll see if that's true. But it were you, doesn't were feel you surprised that uh, Mayor Wu jumped into this race and endorsed one of your opponents? You she worked with her. Yeah. She supported you when you ran before. Uh, I've supported her. Right, and you, she supported you in the DA's race? Yeah. Or voted for you, I think that's fair to say. Sort of both. Yeah, right? a little uh, of both. But, <laughs> little uh, both. Were you surprised that she uh, you know, so, jumped you know, in? So, you know, Marty Walls jumped in, too. Yes. And what they both have in common is that they endorsed employees of theirs. And, you know, I can understand if I was a mayor, I'd want to endorse an employee of mine, too. Uh, but I've only ever worked for the council in the district. Uh, and that's who I really think about when it comes down to it is the most important support I can get is the folks in the city. It turns out in my district and in every district in the city, one person, one vote. And so the individuals who endorse me at the ballot box are the ones that I'm really focused on. Um, I don't know that I would call it surprising. I certainly understand the temptation if you have someone who has worked for you, whose father currently works mm -hmm. for you, to want to endorse that individual. Yeah, well, you know, she made her choice. And, she uh, made her choice. We'll see what the voters say. she gets says. to cast a vote. Right. But now, one of the, uh, one of the uh, uh, I don't know if I'd call it criticisms, but uh, that was made was or, or suggestions is because you ran for the DA's uh, position, district attorney's mm -hmm. position, that you weren't, you're not really interested anymore. In I actually think And I'm that's, playing devil's advocate No, but here, I also but, think, uh, I actually I, like I, that you asked me this, because yeah. I think some people might wonder that. And yeah. here's what the decisions that I sort of think through. I, I judge my life by what's the maximum impact I can have in the time frame that I have. Mm -hmm. I don't believe any of us are promised your next day. And so in that vein, when uh, the, district, the district attorney office opened up, there was a, a semblance of, or a sense that we were either gonna go backward on reforms that we've already gotten, or we were gonna go forward on progressive reforms that had been put in place. And you know, I think right now you see a lot of conversations about the things that are happening in, in our communities when it comes to crime. And I think there's nobody's tried to connect it yet, as they probably should, to the fact that a number of policies that were put in place before and now gone. And what impact does that mm -hmm. have on what you're seeing? But from the standpoint of me as a district counselor who was also a public defender, I made a decision that I could have a really strong impact when it came to criminal justice mm -hmm. reform and continuing to advance that in a way that I thought benefited all of those communities, including District 5. Uh, it was never about, you know, I think I actually got weepy-eyed when I was talking at uh, one of my, really early after making the decision, we had a community event where it was really difficult for me to talk about it because I love the work I do. There's like an interesting thing where I've always loved this council role because you can do so many different things. I could talk about housing, I can push policy on public safety, I could push policy on environment. And I was picking a lane that was very much just criminal law, right? Uh, which is important, and it's important to have these specialized places, but there's a difference when you can do things on a micro, macro level. Mm -hmm. I can pass policy on all these different things that impact many people, but I can also help a single person find BHA housing. I can help a single person get their benefits. I can help a single person stay in their home or find a way to heat it in the winter. 
those are really powerful things. I love this job. I think one of the things that, if it's not abundantly clear to people who are watching, I've gotten punched a lot. Like I've taken a lot of hits. Uh, and I wouldn't open myself up to that if I didn't believe that this work was important, that my heart was in it for the right reasons, and that I, could, I had something to offer to this district. Um, you know, I've had a number of people say, hey, you're really resilient, you're really this, that, the other. Well, I'm a Boston kid, right? And part of it is I care about my neighborhoods. I care about the places I was born and raised in, and that's Hyde Park and Rosendale and Mattapan. And I think a lot about if I'm not there to raise this up, who's going to do it? I'll give you one example because it's, it's like this is why I do this work. Uh, firefighter Alan Curry, 1976, becomes the first black African-American firefighter at Engine 52, which is right there off Blue Hill Ave. Actually right. serves my district. Prior to that, he had given up a Brandeis scholarship to go serve in Vietnam. So someone whose life is very much one of service. 1981, five years into the job, uh, two white firefighters put acid into his shower stall while he's showering. He suffers second degree internal bleeding. He's got to retire due to disability at the age of 31. 1981. Goes through a 1982, he officially goes on disability. He sues the city. He wins. City's found negligent. He gets $10,000. And he has to share 75% of it with his attorneys. Walks out of that with about 2,500 bucks. He's on disability, but he's not on what we call catastrophic injury disability. So for folks who are watching and don't know what that means, he means that for the rest of his life, he's stuck at 72% of what he was getting paid in 1981. Catastrophic injury says you get 100% of what you were paid, but you keep getting paid like you're a current firefighter. So you get not what you were paid in 1981, but you would get what a firefighter who's done five years of service is getting paid today. Today, Mr. Curry's 74 years old. For 40 years, he fought to get catastrophic injury payments. In 2009, the council wouldn't even take it to a vote. They had a two-hour hearing, wouldn't even take it to a vote. This year, this month, the council passed that, 10 to 1. The only no vote was Ed Flynn. Uh, and that puts him in a position to finally receive what he got and what he deserves. Uh, when, that, when we did that, you know, he's suffered. He's a cancer survivor, a stroke survivor. Uh, he's suffering. He's starting to have early signs of dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, and what he said to me was, you have no idea how long, and I want to also shout out Counselor Yancey, who was the one who presented this in 2009. Uh, he said, you have no idea how long I fought for this. My father told me you never give up. This is something that happened to you, and you fight for justice every day. To be able to deliver something like that for him, 40 years in, at, on the city council floor, there's no stadium applause. There's nobody who's watching that. You know, most people, this is probably the first time they've ever heard of him or this. Those are the kinds of things that drive me to do this work. I'm, I'm super dedicated to the work that I do every day and the role that I have. And as long as I have it, and as long as I have the privilege to serve, and I certainly hope they send me back to continue to serve, yeah. these are the kinds of things that I would like to continue to do. All right, we've got just a couple of minutes left. Let's talk a little strategy here. Ah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you like that. I do, uh, I'm big, you know, big on uh, strategy. This is, uh, of course, uh, you know, all the candidates are candidates for mm -hmm. Yes, which is uh, uh, first three, time in history yeah, for District 5. Three Latinos, uh, you know. Including myself. Including yourself and, and one uh, African-American. Uh, and uh, how does that break down? Is identity politics at all? No, I think it's more. Here? Does that, it's does, much uh, more. How does the. Uh, the it's an interesting it? situation. A lot of it is. Uh, so, no, I, I think in, in the reality is that this is much more about what folks are offering politically. Right. And I think. In one instance, I have, uh, you know, I, I just followed 
uh, Mr. Ruiz, I think it's safe to say yeah. he would, you know, he's voting for Reagan. I think yeah. it's safe to say he's a little bit more conservative, certainly than me. Yeah. Uh, and then you've had uh, Enrique Pepin, who started the campaign by describing himself as moderate and the middle guy on El Mundo, and has, you know, now the Globe is calling him progressive, so we'll figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's this sense that, from a district standpoint, you're doing less of how to identify you know, people who would necessarily not see themselves represented because in this case, they see themselves represented and more how to identify voters from a specific political persuasion. And it's that kind of thing that's leading folks. And one of the things that I, I believe in strongly is that, you know, my work has spoken for itself in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of policy. No we apologies. For no, I make my, my record is strong. I make no apologies for pretending right. that it isn't. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, often we get told that we have to downplay it or be humble about those things, right. but my mother, essentially said, you never let anybody dim your light. One of the things that I know I'm very good at is passing policy. That's why over 50% of policy proposals come from my office, and over a third of policy that's actually been passed is from my office. And so one of the things that we try to do is make those impacts felt within the district, and we're successfully doing that in a way that you know people actually feel. I'll give you right. an example. And, and no apologies for being a progressive. Uh, oh, no. Uh, I, I think that's one of the, front, so this uh, is one of the things I learned from my family and my father. Um, you know, my father was a progressive when that was like not a good word. <laughs> yes, I, rem I remember when he ran. <laughs> That's, you, know? you know, I actually fielded death threats for him at times when he did the uh, Iraq war in Iraq fast. Yeah. yeah. And I remember that was back when people had like landlines, and yeah. I remember picking up the landline. And there would be random death threats because he had done a show called Hannity and Combs. Yeah. Uh, back then, and so that that <laughs> if people might not remember that. That's Hannity and Combs. Uh, but that was a long time ago. Uh, but from the standpoint of what I was taught was that you're nothing if you don't stand mm -hmm. on what you do. And I don't wishy-wash anything. I've never mm -hmm. once told somebody, hey, I'm for this, and then in another room I say, hey, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, I don't do that. I've, I believe that what I owe voters is the direct respect of saying, hey, if this is a development you don't like, I understand it, I'm hearing you, we're gonna have a conversation, but once I make a decision on how I feel about that, I'm gonna be very open about it. I think mm -hmm. a lot of times people respect that even if they don't agree mm -hmm. with what you're doing um, and so i don't make any apologies for being progressive i think part of what happens is uh, in politics people poll and try to test hey progressive is not the word anymore we're going back to liberal right, right? whatever it is how and do you, i try to avoid uh, how that. do you do uh in the prelim top the ticket i'm aiming to top the ticket it's yeah. uh voters will decide that but i'm aiming to top the ticket and i think we've done the work to ensure that we do I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming in and sharing. Thank you for again, having me. Uh, again, Councillor uh, Ricardo Arroyo running for re-election. District 5, the prelim is coming up uh, uh, Tuesday, September 12th, right around the corner. 7 and 8. Uh, we'll have uh, live coverage with all the results that night here on BNN. Talk a special edition, Talk in the Neighborhoods, starting at 8.30. We hope you'll join us then. Until then. For the entire staff and crew here at BNN, thanks for watching. Have a pleasant evening. Good night.